I'm your host, Matt Bergman, and welcome to From the Hawk's Nest. Today, my guest is Brady Collings, who graduated from QU in 1995 and is the general manager for Spider Active Sports, the world's largest ski specialty brand and the sponsor of the U.S. ski team since 1989. They are now a multi-season brand and distributed in over 60 countries. Besides Spider, Brady has also worked for Nike and Global Brands Group. And in today's episode, we're going to talk with Brady about his journey to QU and his career in the sports industry. So, Brady, thank you for joining us today. No, yeah, no, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You ski raced for most of your childhood and teen years. How did that lead you to collegiate volleyball? <laughs> yeah, interesting story. So, um, yeah, so pretty much, I don't know, at the end of high school, I was sort of looking at colleges, but not really, and couldn't really find I don't know, what I wanted to do. So what I decided to do was continue ski racing until I could figure it out. And so at 18, 18, 19, um, at 18, I started living up at Winter Park and ski racing for Winter Park and was on a, basically as a, an elite ski team. And in doing so, we had our sports trainer and I was working up there at the same time. We had a, like a sports and fitness trainer who happened to be an ex coach from uh, the women's CSU, Colorado State University volleyball team. And we would have to do tests and, you know, performance tests, physical tests. And through those tests, he saw that I could jump high and I was athletic and asked me if, if he could show me how to play the game of volleyball. And it's sort of the... It's, personally I felt like I was probably as far as I could have been in ski racing um and so you know I just okay yeah what the hell let's let's give it a shot and um just so happened that there was a lift op who just started working at the mountain and was in touch with John because of volleyball connections and um and John Porkevich was the, the sports trainer's name and they connected and, and this individual happened to be a past uh, assistant men's volleyball coach from Ball State. And so they both sort of took me as a pet project, which was super fortunate <laughs> for me. Um, and, and literally showed me how to play a game of volleyball with no, that's right, developed no bad habits and really, really learned the game exceptionally well from literally two private coaches. Um, and so I, and so extremely fortunate, uh, for me. Um, and the chances of that happening, I'm sure, like two to three million to one. But uh, they, yeah, so they, they, they show me how to play. And then uh, at the end of the winter, when I was 18, I got a little bit more interested in it. Started playing in some leagues down in Denver when I come down, um, when I come down in the summertime. And then went back up as a 19 year old and ski race for him one more year. And at that point, they felt like I was excelling at um, such a high level. We developed um, skills videos. And so the skills videos at that point, and I was getting, and all honesty, I was getting very burned out on ski racing. But originally thought that was my path, and that's how I was going to go to school. Blah, blah, blah. But um, ended up getting to a point where my, my skills um, improved considerably. And so they're like, let's do a skills video. And we did, obviously, it, it was a lot different back then. So we did a bunch of uh, VHS uh, videotapes 
on on what I could do and sent them out to colleges and got interest from um, several different schools. And then that actually led me the path eventually to Quincy. And so I understand you did have um, options for several different universities, but you uh, eventually settled on Quincy University. And how did that come about? So uh, when I was 18, so I was still in Colorado. My parents moved to um, outside of Chicago. And so I was sort of here on my own. And then when the volleyball thing started to take shape, um, I had tryout at Penn State, Hawaii. Quincy was also uh, one of those schools and obviously happened to be in Illinois, which my parents had just lived or just moved. So I, um, but I, I was, I was going big. And so I decided to go to Penn State and, and pretty much right at the beginning of the year, I started practicing with the team and, and seeing, you know, sort of what my options were. And I felt pretty good about it, but financially, um, it wasn't doable. Uh, and so I believe the person's name at Quincy was, it was Andy Wellman, I believe, um, who was sort of leading the team at the time. And so I reached out to, to him at the, sort of the beginning of the school year and just said, Hey, I'm interested in coming. And Andy was like, well, we got a spot for you. Uh, we'd love to have you. And, um, because my parents were in Illinois, it was a sort of an easy switch. Um, and so ended up sort of packing my bags at Penn state and then headed over to Quincy. And because I transferred from, uh, division, uh, division one school down to a division two, I was an automatic red shirt. And so I, I knew at that point I couldn't play my first year. And then, uh, kind of, I don't know, just made my way over and, and that's sort of how I ended up at Quincy. So it was, you know, a little bit by chance, but also because, you know, some, some communication had already come out from the school. And uh, so I knew they were interest, interested in me, and so I gave it, a, gave it a go. And what is it that you fell in love with about QU? Uh, while I was there, honestly, it was uh, the, the friendships that developed. It was a school for... I don't know, one top athletes like I, I I find Quincy kind of a an odd one because it's a super small school but the athletics were were very good um, and but at the same time when I got there I really started to find a, a community of people a very accepting community of people and um, you know and, and administration that was willing to help and find money and give me grants and everything else to to help pay for school. And, um, there's just, it is, it is a combination of things, but, um, collectively it, it, it felt like the place to be. So I imagine that you have many great memories from your time in Quincy. Could you pick maybe one or two that, that, that stand out the most? <laughs> Specifically, man, my mind is aged. So <laughs> I'm trying, trying to remember a couple. Um, let's see, like, I, I don't know. I have to probably say one of the, one of the things was um, uh, the house that we had off of Elm, Elm Street, and, and unfortunately, the name was called the Cockpit. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, five guys, and um, we all moved in there. I want to say, yeah, our sophomore year, and the memories that literally came from that house, um, and too many to too many to count. But uh, there's got yeah, the, the the stories that come from that. Coming to that place are uh, significant, or I should say expansive as well. There's a lot of them. Uh, Probably some not appropriate for air. Yeah, yeah, 
exactly. No, it, it's <laughs> it's funny. Like we we ended up moving out of it, and I think it held its name for several years afterwards. But um, we had that um, for I want to say two years. Um, we lived lived in that house on Elm, and um, but yeah, the, the memories from it from it were um, uh, it just it was it was fun. Good friends that came out of it, and you know, it's probably I have a lot of fond memories, but a lot of it literally just comes from the friendships and sort of the, the, the good times we had. I mean, graduation was awesome because a uh, good friend, good friend of mine, Marty Schaefer, and I probably spent 24 hours just going all night, and then graduation was the next day. And that's, I mean, yes, it was the end of everything at Quincy, but um, that's uh, which is probably why it was so memorable. But uh, no, it, it's I don't, nothing, nothing specific but i just had to say like the the stint at the cockpit would probably be it <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> well let's uh let's take a brief break and when we come back we're going to talk with brady about his career journey that landed him uh, eventually as the general manager of spider active sports stay with us you're listening to from the hawk's nest We know that choosing where to take the next step is hard. At Quincy University, we help you design a personalized visit that answers your most pressing questions. Tour campus, visit one-on-one with expert faculty and staff, meet with coaches, enjoy lunch in our main dining room, and learn more about the value of a Quincy University education. Visit quincy.edu visit and start planning for your success at Quincy University today. And welcome back to From the Hawk's Nest. I'm Matt Bergman, your host. And today we're talking with Brady Collings, who graduated from QU in 1995. And Brady, uh, after graduation, you went to work for Nike Town Chicago and ended up working for Nike for 10 years. And I know you talk about how important it is for you to work for a company that you believe in. How did your time at Nike not only propel your career, but also help you to meet that um, goal? Uh out of out of um, coming out of Quincy, you know, I, and again, like I think uh, while I was at Quincy, I had a, probably a, a different path than most. One different path, just even getting there, because um, I was a terrible high school student. Like I, <laughs> like when I, in all honesty, when I went to Penn State, the coach called me into his office and said, "How did you get into this school?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so. so when I got to Quincy, I really started to, in 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 part, and sorry, I'm I'm backing this up a little bit, but in part because of the, I guess the responsibility that I had uh, with the team, right? So at times I would act as coach, and I would um, obviously provide leadership and things like that while I was while I was there, but also you know in my in my senior year I realized like okay I only need three credits to finish my sports management major. But I have another full year. I'm going to be here of eligibility. If I have a full year, why don't I try for a second major? And so went in and, and petitioned all of the um, professors and, and everybody else because um, I just I started to feel that I that I had some autonomy and um, abilities at Quincy that um, I don't know I, I that I think a lot of people might take for granted because it was a school where you could have really direct connections with professors and, and the deans and everything else. And so I went around and petitioned for a sports marketing degree. 
Um, and so I had to add some business um, classes and um, marketing classes, obviously, that senior year and ended up just really loading my plate, um, but ended up getting approval for um, adding a sports marketing degree to the curriculum. And so when I graduated and obviously knew that I wanted to be in sports, one marketing management, one of the two, um, and the brand that I you know believed in the most at the time was Nike um, and just based on what they do in regards to performance. And I, you know, I, I, there's absolutely no way that I could go into finance or, you know, or sales or anything like that, just simply because of um, one hour is wired. Like I I needed to do something that, that I was directly connected to and and there was some tangible aspects to it. And so I'm like, okay, one step in this direction is Nike, but how do we get into Nike, Nike down Chicago. Fortunately, there were a couple of kids from uh, Quincy, uh, Chan Hader, Chad Hader, and uh, Marty Mead that were working in Nike Town, Chicago, and and got me an interview and, and got me in. So that's where I started, and and that was sort of the beginning of finding my place. And and once once I started to work there, discovering more about the brand, discovering more about you know what makes things tick, and and then um, so within probably a year there, um, I was a merchandise manager. Uh, on the floor, so I was creating stories and visual stories on the floor. Um, and then I'd say in about two years, I really started to see how how the brand starts to pull in and, and educate and, and teach people um, about what's going on. Um, and, you know, they are still are the leaders, but I'd say more so at that time, they were they were truly leaders in performance and telling stories and, and creating a passionate connection. So, when I when I got there, it was uh, it was really about linking myself to the brand and then trying to find ways to get sort of more entrenched and and really believing in, in what I was pitching, right? So, like I, I and same same with Spider, like I I just never felt like I could I could represent something that wasn't um, that that didn't share my values, right? So it was health and fitness and sports performance and improving. Uh, improving the lives of others, um, then it really didn't necessarily match. And so it was really trying to find like, okay, so how do, how do we, how do we improve the future of, um, athletic performance, but also how do we, um, align with values of consumers? And, and so those, that combination of things really sort of stuck with me, um, while I was with Nike and, and I've sort of taken that since Nike and really started to apply it and everything that I do. I just, I, I can't, it's a false representation uh, for me personally um, to to work for a brand that, that really doesn't align with who I am and, and the values that I have. Well, you've been at Spider for 16 years now. What led you to, yep. to move over there and what types of positions have you held there? So starting at, um, so when I was at Nike, um, they had moved up from, the merchandise manager in Nike Chicago, and then I became a, a, a regional um, merchandiser, um, and that was doing concept shops for the Sports Story, Dick's Sporting Goods, and then I went up. I ended my career at Nike as an account program manager, but at that time they had also moved me to Beaverton. I'd been working in the um, in the Denver office uh, for Sports Story uh, up until that point, and then so my last job. As a camp program manager, they moved me over to Beaver. Or they moved me to Beaverton, so I had just had. Um, let's see, if this was two thousand two, two thousand three, I believe, and 
had just been married, had um, two kids, or so 2004. So I had two kids and um, so a young family, moved to Spearton out of our home in, in Denver. And what ended up happening is I uh, got to the point of where we couldn't afford to live there. Um, and we couldn't sell our house in Denver. And after about pretty much after three months, we're like, okay, something's got to give. And so, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, um, I guess, walk away from my dreams and desires at Nike, but I was looking at a very um, financial challenging position as a, as a young family. And, and, you know, my wife and I were like, okay, we were holding hands on this. Like we got to get, we'll give it another six weeks. When nothing happens, you got to find a job and we got to move. And <laughs> we got to move back to Denver, right? To the house that we own. Yeah. Um, and so, and so that sort of, that was what sort of started it. And so I, you know, nothing was happening uh, with our home here. And so I started to look at, again, brands that, that I know and that I believe in and share values. And, and luckily, you know, the, the spider, um, who I'd grown up wearing spider and or aspiring, aspiring to wear spider as a ski racer. Um, and I, and the other thing about it too, is, is I always felt like spider could be more than just a ski brand. Um, but then, so I, you know, maybe there was potential to expand on that if I, if I got within the organization. So, um, reached out, uh, while I was still in Nike to spider in uh, Colorado, ended up getting a job interview for me out and, and happened to get the job. And so, um, like I said, like spider being sort of the, the technical leader, in ski wear, um, really started to, um, align with me. And, and again, as like increasing athletic performance, it was, uh, within a sport that I, that I loved that I grew up with. And so ended up getting that job and started as a, uh, brand specialist. So, um, lower level, um, the brand specialist, and then go back up a little bit at Nike. Every job was, super focused right but also at nike it's almost like you're getting an ivy league education and then when you work everywhere else you're going to a smaller school type of type of idea right but but it's so hyper focused and so you end up working on just one thing by the time i left there i was overseeing 1500 concept shops and that's like the the brand shops that you currently see in exporting goods Mm -hmm. um and so you just you're super hyper focused but what i started to realize when i came over spider is like okay like I'm really seeing a lot more now, like I'm more involved with product and more involved with more of the marketing stories and aligned with the sales teams because it was such a small organization, you know, going from, from Nike where there's, you know, 10,000 employees over to Spider where there's 60, um, oh, it was wow. much different. So you really started to, you really started to expand your reach on your knowledge and, um, holistic knowledge of a of a brand, right? So you really, you started to see, okay, what ha- what's happening in sales, what's happening in marketing, what's happening in product, um, and, and really start to discover much more and that there was more potential um, than just going down this like marketing path, right? So, um, so I really started to see where um, opportunities would present themselves. And this is like, if, if I give anybody advice, like cover the gaps. Right. So if, if you go into an organization and you see holes that need to be filled, don't wait for somebody to tell you to do them, like start to cover the gaps and start to, to um, take advantage of situations that might pop up where 
don't just wait for don't just wait for wait for it to fail. Like actually go in and and, and find ways to pick it up and carry it and move it forward. And so I went from a, basically a branding specialist, which it was still like a shop and shop type role, and then moved over into um, brand design director, which was basically like taking the brand um, and and giving it direction, uh, global direction. So saying, okay, this is our messaging for the season. Um, this is who we need to be as brand, um, and, and but then building that out, right? So giving it a, a global look and feel, and it, again, like as you see more of what's going on, and really start to see like, okay, it's like this is what the global brand needs, not just what we need in North America. So, brand design director, as um, a marketing manager, uh, yeah, as a senior. Uh, senior marketing manager and eventually VP of marketing, um, but just slowly started to, to creep my way up while it's while it's spider, and just through those channels. But obviously, getting much more involved in all aspects of the business, just because of the awareness that was taking place. But um, had I just sort of sat and just did the job that I was hired to do, I would absolutely not be in the position that I currently am. Um, and versus like really sitting back and like where the opportunities exist. And by saying opportunities, that's more like looking where the gaps might exist, right? Like what needs to be covered, what needs to be fixed? Um, how can I support in different areas and really expand my knowledge of, of the brand? Um, so that's, that's what I did. And then just, you know, slowly grew up the ladder. And um, and yeah, so now I'm obviously GM is fighter. But, you know, there's a little stint outside of that with a company called GBG. Um, and that was Global Brands Group, and then I had what it. And this was in it was right before COVID, um, but I believe in December of I think it was December of nineteen, they took over as um, senior vice president of marketing for Global Brands Group, and that was um, Global Brands Group was Fryboots, Aquatalia, Tahari, Spider, company uh, called Saga. Uh, just as a large portfolio that I oversaw all marketing for that company um, and then um, came back to Spider. Well, the sports industry has changed a lot during your career, I'm sure. What do you think um, mm-hmm. a couple of the most significant pieces um, of change have, has occurred? Um, how I talked about values before, um, to me, it's, it's aligning your values with the consumer. Um, the generation um, that's currently at, at QU, so Gen Zs are tapped in, right? So there's they're extremely electronically savvy, but at the same time, they are also aligning their values with brands that they believe in. And so I'd have to say that that is probably the biggest transition is digitally communicating to new consumer groups, uh, but also making sure that you're not just putting product in the market. You're actually putting, you're putting your brand out there and connecting almost on a personal level. Uh, so like in, in, in regards to sustainability, taking care of the earth, right? Those are two huge ones for this population, but also um, cause related initiatives. You know, what are the partnerships that you have? Um, how do you, how do you align? How do you align with consumers, but also make sure that you're, um, that you care, like that you're actually trying to do something for the planet and the people that exist on it. And so that, that to me, that's been the big shift. It, it, it changed from like, here's a great product that we're going to sell to you versus like, okay, 
we're going to make some great products, but these products are going to be made with purpose. Um, they're going to be made with responsibility uh, and integrity and really starting to tell that story about what you do, who you are, um, and, and making sure that you're doing the right things for planet Earth. Um, and I think that's and because of digital, uh, because of all the ways to connect, you know, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, you name it. There's so many ways to discover what's happening with a brand and what a brand is about that you need to make sure that you're, you're, you're communicating at that level. Um, Gen Z's now have a device in front of them. Um, you could say 24 seven, but within 30 inches of their face, like all the time. And it could be exactly. a, a computer. It could, yeah. You could be a computer, iPad, phone, one of the three. Um, and the, you know, when I, when I was doing concept shops, it would take the consumer, it was basically four seconds to engage and that then in, you know, when they're looking throughout a store and a brick and mortar, it takes four seconds to be like, okay, that, that image is inspiring to me, but I still don't know what it's about. And I don't, you know, I'm, I, but I'm going to go check it out. That's where now it takes four seconds for the Gen Z population to understand a concept. It's like, it's, it's so much faster. So if, if you're not saying the right things and, and if you're not, if you're not, if you don't consider the values of the consumers that you're speaking to, you're going to fail. Um, and it's, yeah. So I, I say that's like the, the biggest shift right now. I think sports performance and, you know, like the quality of products and, you know, excelling as a, as an athlete through the use of, um, equipment and, you know, clothing and or footwear, I think is a, is a, a leveling playing field because there's so much technology out there. And I think just, I, I think, I, I don't think that that is going get to get you to the next level. What's going to get you to the next level is actually um, speaking the same language as a consumer and making sure you align. Well, what has been the most influential and inspirational thing in your life so far? Uh, inspir- oh, God, my family. <laughs> 100%. Um, so, you know, I got married in 2001 um, and then had two kids and a boy and a girl. And, I'll, you know, say it again and again, like, I, I don't know even that, that I would be a GM of Spider now if it wasn't for, for this family and the contributions that they've made to my life. Like, I'm super, super grateful for them. Because um, I didn't, my family was a bit scattered growing up. Um, and, you know, I, for, for a while, I didn't, my mom literally disappeared for 15 years. Um, and so... <laughs> little emotional, but, um, but yeah, absolutely is, uh, my two kids, my wife, um, they, yeah. Awesome. They're by far the most inspir- inspirational piece of my life. Well, what advice would you give to either current students or maybe even fellow alumni, just life, your life advice to them? Um, I'd say uh, probably a couple of things is, Sur- surround yourself with people you respect and admire. Um, you know, it, it's it might sound bad. I don't want to sound bad, but you're you're never going to improve if you continue to surround yourself with um, people that that might not have your best interests at heart. Right? You just surround yourself with surround yourself with people that care, but that you also respect and you and you 
potentially want to be. Um, I think that's a that's a huge one. And I've I've been extremely fortunate to have very strong mentors. Um, I don't know, say from twenty or I'd say from eighteen. Starting with those two volleyball coaches from eighteen on, I've had really um, good people around me, and I think that's that's something that that you cannot take for granted. The other one is is hard work. You know, you're not going to get anywhere unless you put, you put the time in. Um, but yeah, you, you got to work hard, um, align your values, align your passions. Otherwise, it's just going to be mundane effort. Um, and I don't think you'll ever achieve what you want to achieve unless you unless you're not truly aligned with your values. But I'd say those those probably three things. But great great mentors, surround yourself with great mentors. Um, work hard, work your ass off, and um, be inspired. I think those are some great words to live by, Brady. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you yep. also for being our guest today. We uh, enjoyed uh, getting to chat with you and um, appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. Oh, yeah, no problem. I enjoyed it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the questions. And, um, yeah, it was great. Appreciate it. And be sure to tune in next time for another episode of From the Hawk's Nest, where we talk to alumni, faculty, staff, students, and friars and learn about their QU journey. I'm Matt Bergman, and remember, it's always a great day to be a hawk.